0: I think we're back!
1: We made it! We're back in just three dimensions!
2: Where did you go? I've been waiting to record this episode for 55 years!
0: We came out of a black hole! We were trying to study Interstellar! We tried to communicate with you!
2: Yeah! How did you try to communicate with me? With your watch! Didn't you know it was ticking differently? Oh, I did notice it got stuck between the 6th and the 7th on the hands, but what were you trying to
1: say? I don't speak watch. I sent you Morse code. Morse code for how to build a space station so that we can have better audio on our podcast. You tried to speak to me in Morse code? Why do you think I knew
2: how to speak Morse code? Why didn't you just send a tweet through the Twitter or Instagram, both of which are double A popcast, spelled D-O-U-B-L-E-A-P-O-P-C-A-S-T. That's a good point. We didn't think of that. We
0: did not think of that. Clearly.
2: Or you could have just sent a message on our
0: our podcast
2: and put a high rating on, on Apple Podcast. And because you know the more ratings people give, the more likely I was to see the message.
0: Well, the next time we go through a black hole, we will not forget that.
2: Yeah, we'll remember. I don't know how that's supposed to help me now that I'm 95 years old. Might as well just record the podcast this way. Welcome back to Double A Popcast. Your weekly recharge. So, uh, typically during our intros, we would do our weekly watches. um, But due to some minor scheduling issues and time constraints... Um, we decided that it would be best if we just kind of went right into the discussion. Yeah, and, and I feel like it's going to be long, like about an hour and 20 minutes. Roughly. So. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we actually have our guest on for the episode here, Miss Carrie Good.
0: Hello, everyone.
2: So um, I believe we also introduced you in the discussion, which we just finished recording. Like Interstellar, time and in podcast is very weird. And in a sense, this comes before what we just did. So it's kind of like we're time traveling the past.
0: And we dive into that in vivid detail in the podcast and that's part of the reason why it's so long. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely.
2: So uh, we hope that you will enjoy our discussion of Interstellar coming up right
0: now.
1: Adam and I are joined here with our guest, Carrie Good. Hello. We are so excited to have you.
0: I'm excited to be here. Thank you.
1: So we just finished watching Interstellar. Mm. This was Adam and I second time, Correct. and this was your what would you say Maybe you had to even number
0: fifteen twentieth this is this is in my repertoire of of top five favorite movies for sure nice, <laughs> nice.
2: yeah, and what just an amazing like experience mm-hmm. I wouldn't i don't know if I'd call it a movie or just like I don't know it's it's a lot. I'm still processing it, and i
1: yeah a lot of emotions right now yeah i think christopher nolan would call it a movie
2: I'm pretty sure. <laughs> i mean yeah it's it's a movie it but is. like you know it's i don't know there's still so much i have to rewatch it more yeah. i'll have to get to your level of like 15 20 times that i'll be like got it understand everything
1: well it's funny that oh sorry we're you about to say something no go ahead i was gonna say it's funny that you say you'll have to rewatch it and you said you've seen it A number of times because I think this movie set the stage for MoviePass because I don't know if you both remember but when this movie came out in theaters Mm -hmm. they had this deal at some theaters where you could pay like 20 bucks or something like that and see this movie as many times as you wanted on IMAX for a month's period of time. I don't know why I didn't
0: capitalize on that but (laughs) (laughs) because I would have. Huh.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I remember when this movie came out I remember seeing it in the theaters. It was the first time I saw it with my parents. Mm-hmm. And I remember leaving there thinking, yep, I'm going to have to think on this one. And yes. I still, like, there were things I just did not even remember. Like, I don't remember the interrogation scene with Tars mm-hmm. and oh, no. Cooper right at the beginning when he first gets to NASA. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I remember that. Is it Boyle? The African American scientist. Is that his name? Doyle? Something like that. Anyway, I remember him... I I'm remember, terrible at the names. Yeah. And I've I remember, seen it that many times. We were both looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, I, I up up my like, phone like, here. You know, I remember he didn't survive, but I didn't remember how he didn't survive.
1: Mm.
2: Um, And I also remembered Dr. Man, like, puncturing Coop's suit differently. For some reason, in my oh. mind, he, like... Pulled out like the center chest piece on the suit, and like mm-hmm. that caused the hole. Okay, not a crack in the helmet. Yeah, because when he like started to hit his head, I'm like, this can't be it, right? He's kind of like <laughs> gonna like grab at it later, or then... a knife
0: or something, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and
2: that never happened, and I was like, huh? I'm pretty sure. Okay, you know, but but yeah, just wow. An amazing film.
0: I think even so many times that I've seen it that there's always a new nuance or I look at it through different perspectives so mm-hmm. like I'm a huge science person for mm-hmm. all of those, those people out there who don't know me um and so the physics and the um some of the like agricultural uh parts of the film um mm-hmm. are very pertinent and obvious but i looked at it this way this time through almost like a social lens Mm -hmm. and so i wrote some notes down about some of like the social systems that were referenced especially when Mm -hmm. coop goes to his daughter's parent teacher conference and how they talk about the system of um, grading students that then propels them into a certain field um, mm-hmm. and kind of like who decides the, what those scores who is yeah. the who are the people who have control of the society mm-hmm. um, so just some of the other things along those lines which caused me to have some nuance in like this I don't know 20th time that I've seen the movie so yeah. I think that is a tribute to how complex it is mm-hmm. um, and what makes it a really awesome show
2: yeah I, so in undergrad I was a history major, and one of my notes I wrote down when the, I'm guessing history or science teacher talks about how the moon landings were faked, yes. and how quote unquote everyone knows this, I, my notes read, what kind of back-ass historian wrote that shit? Because <laughs> I'm like, that's, what, no, huh? There's no, it, that." really, really bothered me. And Anthony and I were actually talking about this um, before we um, came over to watch the film, yeah. mm-hmm. and how what... Like, for me, it's the most terrifying thing to think that society would get to a point where we're just like, facts don't matter. All that matters is we need to just do jobs that we're told to do and don't worry about learning. Just don't question it. Just go. And... um you know, to, to avoid politics, it's very current, um, yes. I would say. And this movie was in 2014.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's more relevant now, yeah. I feel, than in 2014. Because, like, back then, I remember seeing that scene in the theaters with the teacher, and I'm thinking, what, well, silly?
1: Who would <laughs> ever think something like that? There's facts out there. <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Should I say the joke I said to you about the science thing? Yes,
2: yes. So this this joke will probably get our podcast as explicit. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's well well it's a well done joke and very pertinent
1: uh, to to this film. So we were talking about how in this movie, in this education system at mm-hmm. least, how it's portrayed, it's um, not believing science getting away from that, so I said it's like a creationist wet dream. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so true, though. That goes yeah. back to the religion piece. Mm-hmm. And um, just,
2: I, I feel like when, you, when you're when you arguing fact, you can't say that not believing a fact is a political standpoint, because that'd be like someone starting a political party based on, like, the sky is purple. It's not. Well, I don't believe in the color blue. What? You know, yeah. you can't argue fact because yeah. we can see it. We can touch it. We've observed it. But sorry, I will get off my high horse <laughs> for a moment there. Well,
0: I think what's even more relevant now about it is that, I mean especially in the past six months talking about how climate change research mm-hmm. has been coming out more scary and more scary, and more scary, um, mm-hmm. and how in interstellar, society was able to get away with that system of Mm -hmm. categorization uh, because of the survival necessity and Mm -hmm. that this is the only way we're going to survive because things have got this bad so we need to do something drastic and so i think about that in relation to modern day of like maybe this really is 50 years from now which is terrifying Mm -hmm. to think about but the reality of climate change and how our political system is set up right now to where fake news is something that Is in that we have to battle every day. That it's almost a precursor to what Interstellar could be Mm -hmm. in a very chilling way. Yeah, Yeah,
2: we. I mean, last week we watched Jurassic Park for our month of sci-fi, and that was just like a fun romp through um, an island off the coast of Costa Rica (laughs) with some dinosaurs. It was great. It was fun. And then this one, as we're talking about, I'm like, oh, this is this is a dystopian like sci-fi horror film? I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm like it's a lot of hope though. It's a very hopeful yeah. film. Yes. And I think that's like the, the key message mm-hmm. of Inshaallah is hope. And every time I see things in the news about climate change and stuff like that, I think to myself like well I'm in the field that I'm in, I can't really affect much of that.
0: Yeah.
2: But I think to myself humans have been in worse situations in the past relatively speaking we've gotten out of those you can do it this time yeah. fingers crossed so and we don't end up like
1: interstellar not believing in the moon landing and other stuff <laughs> like that so but yeah there's definitely a lot of philosophical points here I think mm-hmm. dr. man's character in and of itself mm-hmm. I remember what struck me most the first time I saw this when I walked out of the theater I was thinking wow love is quantifiable yeah because I thought I kind of thought that in Hathaway's point, where she makes, they don't make this point until the middle of the movie, but she's talking about love. And I was thinking, oh, like, that's just, I, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of a throwaway thing and then mm-hmm. it turns out to be so important. Yes. Like, yeah. it's pretty much, it's the reason why Earth, the people, humans of Earth were able to survive. Mm-hmm. And how Murph was able to realize the message that her yeah. dad was sending. Yeah, which ah. Uh... It's, just, it's such a. I don't know. I'm still. I'm, I know I'm just.
2: I'm not as eloquent as I typically am, but just this movie's got me feeling a certain. I don't know. It's, it's, it was a really, really good movie. And yeah. just. The visuals alone are mm. awe inspiring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the design of the spaceship, I counted how many little pods there were, like on the outside of the Endurance, and I was like, oh, there's 12 like a clock and it's constantly spinning
0: i definitely like, did not time catch that going
2: forward i'm wow. like huh interesting and i i think back to some of the film classes i took in undergrad and one of my film professors was like everything in a film is put there for a reason yeah
0: mm-hmm. like there's a
2: reason the colors are the way they are the reason the lighting is the way it is no no director's ever just like at least no good director like christopher nolan is ever like i don't know Make a spinning spaceship. All right, see ya. You know, there's intention behind it. Yeah. And a lot of the music, too, is, has that kind of constant, very much like a ticking clock going yes. to it, which Hans Zimmer just does a great job with the score here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, whew, just wow.
0: Yeah, and now that you say that, too, with like respect to the lighting, thinking about well, like the, the ticking clock and the music and then the visuals of the spaceship itself, I think when the spaceship rotates, a lot of those scenes in the spaceship are like a flashing light because of a sun mm-hmm. or a point of light externally yeah, that mm-hmm. the spaceship is rotating around, but that also gives that illusion of... The off and on, off and on, the mm-hmm. like ticking clock, mm-hmm. and it really emphasizes
2: how many days are passing on yeah. Earth relative
1: yeah. to where they are, because um, that's what days are. It's yeah. light, and then the night is the absence of that. When yeah, like, and I think right that's, thats the science way you say. <laughs> that's that, That's <right>? exactly <laughs> how
0: you say it. That is the that is <laughs> I, darkness. The I hope
1: you of go light. to people and say yeah. that. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. <laughs>
2: um, I I think the most chilling moment in the film is when they get back from the water planet where dr miller i believe is supposed to have been and they get back and the scientist whose name i have forgotten earlier (laughs) Is it was it's just standing there in like like this flannel robe and it's like it's been 23 years and i'm like oh my god oh they were down there for like 25 minutes
0: Yes. And
2: yeah. twenty three years passed. That's just the most terrifying thing mm-hmm. to think about, and just, uh, it. It's so weird. Like, it. And this is gonna be a really weird connection, but I don't know where you both took your driving ed course, or if you took a driving ed course. Um, but one thing my driver's ed instructor always drilled into us is that. This is talking to like 16, 17 year olds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, a a car is not a time machine, and I never understood that. Not saying I never understood it until I watched Interstellar because like that's when I like clicked and I was like, oh my god, it makes sense. Yeah. But like, don't try to beat the clock. Like, don't try to drive like radically mm. when you're getting home to yeah. beat the clock. But then I even thought about that, and I'm like, even then like time's relative here on earth which i find i just wrote several times in my notes just time is weird time is strange why time huh what is anything speed velocity huh i don't know not a science guy i avoided science with my with all of my being in undergrad Um,
0: and i avoided history that same way (laughs) there you go
1: Perfect. And I loved both. <laughs> no, I Good, great team. I they, they were both fine. I didn't feel one way or another. Yeah. like you, said you said, I was English. I was reading. <laughs> I'll English write down charged.
2: what they're arguing about. Yes. Wow. <laughs>
1: I'll write in an eloquent way. I'll make
2: a story about it. There you go. And that's how this podcast came into being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or something. I don't know. But yeah, um, just it's. A testament to the writing of Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan um, that they were able to write this story and I had to think how many scientists did they consult when writing this to make sure everything, at least with the time aspect, yep. was accurate because um, I know even for like some Marvel films, I know Ant-Man for, for instance, they had two quantum physicists who worked mm-hmm. with them on the film to make sure that it was accurate and I think that's just a comic book movie but Interstellar almost three hour long like space epic, how many like how many people from NASA were consulted, mm-hmm. and like people who designed the spaceship, and would a you know circular spinning spaceship like that actually work in real life? Yeah,
0: um, I mean there's a whole book that's the science of Interstellar. Yeah, yeah. is there really mm-hmm. something I don't have which I need to buy? I'm surprised but, about that. It really is, and then I mean it goes through the whole movie and looks at all of the theories that they try to portray and whether Um. or not they were portrayed accurately or why they weren't able to be portrayed accurately, especially around the whole black hole um, that we have no idea about. Um, And there are some scientific critique on it, which is really fascinating.
2: Well, you mentioned the black hole, which I think is a great segue. I really want to talk about like the scientific inconsistencies in this film. Yes. Um, And the scientific, like, I don't think that's quite right. Of this film, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> um, starting with the wormhole,
1: mm-hmm. so we
2: have the wormhole, um, which is kind of our like gateway into the the, ch- the main chunk of the film, mm-hmm. um, where it's a sphere, spherical hole, mm-hmm. spherical entrance. In your knowledge of science, <laughs> is is that accurate, or is that? like uh, i don't know like
0: i think so yeah i mean in um how i think it's doyle i think you were right Doyle. Okay. doyle. um how he uses the piece of paper and the pen to, to explain to cooper how um, space-time essentially folds like mm-hmm. that's very accurate for what theories exist right now Mm -hmm. um and but we've also never seen a wormhole so it's Mm. the math works for a spherical hole but it's not necessarily something we can conceptualize Mm -hmm. um and so that i think was And what I've read is a pretty accurate description um, or depiction of a wormhole. Mm -hmm. Uh, My question is, when you go through the wormhole, what happens? And so, for me, I mean, I'm not a credentialed scientist at all, but I always think about, like, space is a vacuum, and there's Mm -hmm. no, you know, air in space, right? (laughs) And so, like, if you go through a wormhole, a wormhole connects to galaxies, but hypothetically, like, it would still be crossing from one portion of space to another portion of space and so if you don't have turbulence going through a vacuum then would you have turbulence going through a wormhole and so um so that the turbulence of the spaceship in interstellar was depicted um Mm -hmm. and i think some of the navigational components could potentially happen as far Mm. as theory goes um but there is some new research about uh in physics specifically where um they've hypothesized that potential communications could go past the horizon of a black hole which could potentially also maybe go through a wormhole so Mm -hmm. it's just some more math that some smart math people have done (laughs) um but so that's a really interesting concept knowing that um we've never been through a wormhole and so if in fact the math works out that communication and or radio waves could be able to go through a wormhole then then that would be really cool but
2: yeah i think i remember reading when I was in, like, high school, I was really into space. Space was, like, the science that I liked. For the longest time, I thought I was going to be a scientist. And then I'm like, I have to do math for that? Yep. Help <laughs> <laughs> <Count> me out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, but I, I, I remember seeing, either in a book or having a teacher explain to me the same way Doyle explains of the folding the paper, or putting the pen through, and, like, mm-hmm. basically, one, like, A to B... It's like you have to go to A to C. There's B as your distance, mm-hmm. whereas a wormhole is A to C, cutting out the middleman in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I always imagine a wormhole would basically be like walking through a door, mm-hmm. not having like this big tunnel to go through. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that seems a little weird. And even then, like the space that you that is visualized in the movie seems very, very much for the dramatic effect. Yeah. Because I feel like if you just have the space, you're just gonna go. It's like, and we're here. You're like, oh, okay. There's no, you know, um, tension with that. Yeah. But I always thought of it as being more like a direct line. Like when you call someone, you don't hear your message. Like on the phone go, hello, hello. <laughs> and it has to come back like the other. Like it's just instantaneous. Yeah. So. Imagine if it was like that. I would never talk to anyone on the <laughs> phone. Like, like just send a carrier <laughs> pigeon. It'd be easier that way. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then one thing that definitely stood out to me, and we kind of talked about this while we were watching the movie, is the black hole,
0: Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. the
2: black hole, um, would have killed Coop almost immediately.
0: Yes. Um. Even before the horizon.
2: And what is the term you use for when something enters the black hole?
0: Um, Spaghettification
2: which is the most scientific and official sounding term. And
0: it's an actual real scientific term. I didn't make that up. Um, Well, so backing up a little bit, though, I think to give some context for the black hole. So from what I've read that the time dilation, which is essentially the concept of um, because space would be bent near a black hole because of the gravity, then Mm. the time would be different passing for one person versus another person farther away. So that's Mm. called time dilation. Mm -hmm. And so that is probably one of the most significant things that scientists agree was portrayed very accurately in the movie. Mm. Um, Because the closer you get to a black hole, the space around it will warp. And -hmm. therefore, because it's space-time, will also warp the time. And so that's kind of the... The concept behind them being on the planet for you know what 40 minutes and then it being 23 years for the mm-hmm. spaceship outside um but so that's accurate but then also as you're getting towards the black hole even closer past the planet into the black hole like cooper did mm-hmm. then that time dilation and the gravity exponentiates so mm. as, when you get close to the black hole Regarding the pressure of your anatomical body in the spaceship and things like that, um, the gravity would be so intense that it would crush you. But as you're traveling towards the black hole, it would essentially stretch you or it would stretch matter Mm -hmm. out into a spaghetti-like state. And then you would essentially just...
2: cease to exist
0: yes cease to exist um and it would be so the matter would be so compressed that i mean light doesn't even pass through and so that's why we call it a black hole because there's no light that gets past the event horizon so but this term spaghettification is hypothesized that if you're traveling into a black hole that it's just kind of like you disintegrate and you stretch out as you go in um because of the immense gravity and so that was something i think even visually would have been cool Mm -hmm. um to see if even if it wasn't obviously Cooper disintegrating, because that would be not good for the plot. Um, but <laughs> the movie just
2: ends there. <laughs> Roll credits. credits.
0: Even some of the you know visible stretching or being yeah. able to edit in a way mm-hmm. that that that's technically more accurate than mm. what or hypothesized to be more accurate than what was portrayed in the movie. So oh, yeah. gotcha.
2: I remember reading somewhere that like as it was like I think it was a video on YouTube. It has like 20 million views, so it's clearly a, relatively well-known video it's like what what you would see as you entered a black hole Mm -hmm. and it talks about how if like there were two astronauts and one was observing the other astronaut entering the black hole the one observing would see the astronaut like stop like right above the event horizon Mm -hmm. and would just slowly fade to like a red shift and like the doppler effect Mm -hmm. and they would just and then eventually just be go black Mm -hmm. and they would just disappear
0: there's no light
2: so they would that time dilation, as you mentioned, it would st- look as if they just completely stopped, but actually they're flying to their death at an immense rate, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, I remember being younger, too, when I learned the term, I was like, I think 12, when I learned the term roaming black holes, I don't know if, if you've heard of no, this, No, I have Anthony. no idea what that is. Do you this, know what this so is? This roaming black holes? Roaming black holes. Apparently some scientists have theorized that black holes could move so they could be points in um in space yeah. where they're just like anchored down because of the gravity and then there's other theories that say in the same way that like a whirlpool can kind of move through water like around other wormholes or um whirlpools Did I say wormholes and not whirlpools
1: yeah
2: um uh black holes could also move I remember being 12 and hearing about that and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to sleep one night and just Earth's going to be sucked into a black (laughs) hole and that'll be it. And um, that kept me up awake for a while. And then I had to rationalize if there are roaming black holes, we can't stop them because it's just pure gravity barreling towards us so why fight it that sounds dark but like you know you you can't worry about these things too much if you worry about this too much i apologize anthony and carrie i apologize if i'm like oh yeah roaming black holes are a thing and you know quasars could destroy the planet at any moment and uh space is scary is what i'm getting at yeah um i remember this and gravity came out around the same time and i saw gravity once in theaters in 3D mm-hmm. and it was the most terrifying experience mm-hmm. I had ever seen I think I've told Anthony this before I'm like Gravity is the movie that I'm like well I'm never going to space ever <laughs> nope not once not now mm-mm. and the same director who did Gravity did Everest where a bunch of people die on Mount Everest and then did the movie Adrift where girls stuck adrift at sea for like 40 days and I'm like I'm never gonna climb a mountain I'm never gonna get on a boat <laughs> I'm not gonna go to space I'm gonna live on land in a bubble <laughs> in a bubble <laughs> Protected my anti black hole bubble, just stay here, yep. you know. Um, but after Cooper enters the black hole, is where the movie takes a turn from uh, some kind of weird sci fi stuff for like, what the heck? Did did we drop some acid when we got into the theater? Like, what yep. is going on? <laughs> yes, and they mentioned it's like a tesseract at some point, and I have no idea what this concept is in reality. Either of you familiar
0: with it? So it's like a four D like shaping rectangle. So it like okay. There's a we'll Google it, and I don't know if it's very easy to explain on audio, but it's yeah. So it's in geometry. It's yeah. It's like the four dimensional analog of a cube. So there's a there's a gif that
2: shows what it's speaking yes. my language. So
0: it's one of those things where it <laughs> oh my God. it changes in four what? dimensions. So if you yeah, if you Google Tesseract and you it, look at a GIF, you can understand what we're looking he's at. Each time
1: I see oh I I'm trying to
2: follow yeah. the lines <laughs> and I'm like Okay, so then that goes in there and then that loops back mm-hmm. over we're gonna put we'll um, we'll put this on our Twitter. Um but so that so basically Coop was in one of these Yes, uh, right? And mm-hmm. so it's
0: such a it's, – it's such a mind-blowing <laughs> concept because it's not necessarily – I mean, you wouldn't encounter this in everyday life, literally ever. No. And so I think seeing how – logically, like if you were to put a cube within a cube – um. It wouldn't morph. It it just the cube keeps its rigid shape, and then the larger cube keeps keeps its rigid shape, and then in like the laws of physics that we have, like you can't really morph the two and Mm -hmm. so then a four dimensions or and i mean they were talking about in fifth dimensions in interstellar but that time is an element that's variable Mm -hmm. then being able to morph the time can influence how like geometry moves and so that's Mm -hmm. essentially my kind of easy explanation for it um but i think that's how the term tesseract was implemented in How the Murphy's room millions of times over um, in the black hole was visually perceived,
2: and it was only Murphy's room because of the the connection of love. Was that that what I the gravitational
0: anomaly specifically, and then I think the physical connection of the fact that it was Murphy's room was because of the gravitational anomaly. And then, well, my understanding is the love came in is that there was only, only able, Murphy was only able to understand the signs that she was given because of the connection she had with Cooper. Um, That's what my understanding of it is. I think that's
1: right. That makes sense. Wait, so, oh man, this is making me think.
0: Right? (laughs) This
2: is probably going to be like the, the headiest, just like,
1: Highbrow episode of W A Popcast we've had in well ever <laughs> so wasn't I thought so he he ends Cooper ends up in that fifth dimensional area where there's all these bookcases his daughter's the bookcase in his daughter's room yeah and but don't they explain that basically future humans have created this space they've somehow found a way to work within create to or not create maybe utilize a fifth dimension. Mm-hmm. So so there's a there's a gravitational anomaly in her room but isn't is it assumed that the future humans put it there?
0: I think so. And but I think the connection between the two spaces is that anomaly and I think that anomaly was created by these futuristic mm-hmm. evolved humans. Yeah.
1: They knew that it was it's basically the story the hero of the story is kind of Murph. Like she's she's the one who's She's the yeah. And it's just her dad was the one who they needed to use mm-hmm. to get that message. So they knew, you're right, like you said, yeah, they used Cooper, her dad, because <laughs> they were like an existential crisis over here. He was the only one who could get through to her because of the love piece.
0: Yeah, and I think going back to um, kind of the social component that we talked about at the beginning, mm-hmm. that especially Adam, you were mentioning that like you just do this, you mm-hmm. work in you die essentially it's the cyclical so the cycle of they didn't believe in the moon landing they didn't believe in going off of the earth they tried they put their heads down i mean even one of the quotes in the film by cooper's father um is something like we're not looking at the stars and we are trained to look at the ground Mm -hmm. um and that it's evident that cooper is like the one person potentially on the entire earth who still has this drive who yeah. still has this um his head in the clouds and looks up at the stars and then and, and see something there yeah. um and i think personally that that may be the reason why these like future humans or evolved humans picked cooper because of the love that he had with his daughter and how smart she was and how attuned to the star she was and then cooper's ability with being a a previous jet pilot and that he still had that forward exploratory Mm -hmm. drive that that pushed him so yeah yeah i wrote down that quote actually the one that you said
1: yeah we used to so he says we used to look up and wonder about our place in the sky now we look down and worry about our place in the dirt yes Mm -hmm. and this whole concept of future people Creating
2: the Tesseract, or whatever it may be, to have Coop. This, I really enjoy time travel science fiction. And this brings up the constant problem that I have with time travel in general. Is it almost opens the door for too many paradoxes. Mm. In that... So at what so for coop Mm -hmm. to try to visualize this. Imagine a line in the middle of the line is Coop sending a message back in time. So imagine left is back, right is forward, sending a message to the left to Murph. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which then causes going to the right to go beyond Coop in that Tesseract to create allow her to create this space station thing that humans are living on, which was then going further, much farther to the right, allowing these fifth dimensional or these evolved humans to then create something to allow back to the middle point. And so it almost creates like this constant feedback loop which confuses me because at what point do the people in the future are like oh we got to the point we have to make this thing to make sure that because like if it got to the point in the future where they're just like what if we just like don't make it does everything cease to exist you know Mm -hmm. and like it seems too there's too many variables in my opinion Mm -hmm. for it to be plausible I know it's science fiction and that's of course the theme of our month but Mm -hmm. In, in all science fiction, I feel like there's a grain of truth.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and it, I don't know if Nolan necessarily put as much effort into this as I'm putting into it. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out this, like, he's evolved humans. It's aspect. It's the chicken
0: and the egg. It is. Issue. It's like, yeah.
2: so does Coop have to be doing what he's doing for Murph to do what she does to get the future people to do what they do or the future people rely on? And then they're influencing, but especially, like, Coop, in the bookcase, quote-unquote, Tesseract bookcase thing, he's yelling at himself, don't go. He's sending himself messages to not go, mm-hmm. which Murph is getting, and it's that constant, like, Coop is, which almost brings in the question of fate, and do we mm-hmm. have, is are things predetermined? Because yeah. only because Coop is in the bookcase is he telling himself to not go, Yeah, which is this constant...
0: But he's still going to go, because he has to go in order to come back.
2: Right, yeah. which. But what if. <laughs> see? see yes. It's confusing. Yes. Yeah. And especially at NASA when they get there. Um, also, I hate it in movies and TV shows whenever they're like, you don't know who we are. And it's like, no, we don't know who you are. You never told us. There's no signage. There's not like, we're NASA or welcome to NASA. It's just a boardroom. Yeah. I don't. I hate it when people are like, don't you know who we are? Don't you know who I am? Like, no, I don't. I've never encountered you before. I would
0: have said so if I knew. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm gonna say no. If okay, sorry, yeah. just yeah. a little pet
1: peeve of mine. Um, yeah. I feel like the way time works though. So you're a Harry Potter fan. Yes. And w- the way you're describing it makes me think of Prisoner of Azkaban, where Harry uses the Patronus and take and Gets rid of how many Dementors? I don't know, 50 or 30? A lot. A lot of Dementors. And he says he was able to do it because he had done it before. He had seen himself do it before. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I knew I I could do it. But something I'm wondering about is, so remember when Doyle is explaining going through the wormhole and showing, like, if this is our Galaxy X and then this is the other Galaxy X here, Mm -hmm. you go through a line. But these people made it easier and they folded the paper and then just go through that. Right. Maybe time is like that. Maybe you're getting caught up because of the linear piece.
2: Oh. Maybe
1: they're able to. They can use time differently. Bounce around. Oh, that makes sense. Because he does bounce around. You
2: see, like that's true. That's true.
0: And and I think so. What? Well, how I think about it, at least in this respect, because I don't know if it could apply to other like postulations about time uh, travel, but. I'm thinking about it like if you're talking about an evolved human mm-hmm. that's definitely evolved in a physical sense but also a metaphysical sense and a mm-hmm. mental sense. And so when you go from like three dimensions to four dimensions to five dimensions, I think there's a barrier there in that if someone who is living in a fifth dimension like won't necessarily have the tools to be able to communicate with someone in the fourth or the third dimension. Mm-hmm. And so I think what this movie illustrated is that that love is the connection but that if there wasn't any love then the tesseract and in that space would not be able to communicate with people in lower dimensions Mm -hmm. and so i think to your piece Uh that there wouldn't be any paradox or or okay. communication, and you wouldn't know. Like there could be someone right now in this room who is in the fifth dimension from the future that we have no idea and couldn't communicate with.
2: Well, they should have let their Which friends be Which is crazy know, because if they're just chilling here, that's rude. Well, all
0: my books are still on the bookshelf, so yeah. <laughs> just
2: watch your books <laughs> over there. If there was, let, okay, let's let's stay with that for a second. Right, if there was a fifth dimensional person let's here, let's do a scientific seance. Everyone yeah. hold hands. How would
1: <laughs> if you're here? Remove the fifth book on the second shelf. <laughs> I was about to ask, how would you want them to communicate
2: with? <laughs> oh, yeah. If, oh. if How would you want your coop to communicate with you?
0: <laughs> Clearly
2: not shouting through the invisible wall.
0: No! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem to work. Doesn't
2: seem to be effective. Really no.
0: raspy. Yeah. <laughs> unintelligible.
2: Also, I think like, he was blowing <laughs> the, his mic out there. Like, it sounded like <laughs> it was bad. People were like,
0: <laughs>
2: like... Oh, jeez. All right. Um... Oh, yeah.
0: I think like... anyway would be just incredibly creepy, and so maybe just like a oh, least yeah. creepy way of I'm thinking of like if I'm on my computer, like it typing for me, like that's creepy. Or if some... just like random things show up or random things disappear, like that's creepy. Yeah, I would almost want it to be like I don't know, maybe in in words of some kind, or it be in a mental state that I have of like I read it and then I realize it, maybe instead of them saying I feel
2: like anything
0: if this is
2: it if as as you just said they're existing on a higher plane of existence almost anything that happens would be terrifying.
0: Even if you're
2: like (laughs) like imagine, you know, books fell off and then like a highlighter floated over and you just see (laughs) someone like highlighting words like trust me, I'm good. You're like, Nope, you're not, you are a demon (laughs) this is nope, I'm out of here Um, and just, yeah, that would be not, I don't know, I'm still hung up on my my paradox thing. I don't know, it it reminds me a lot of, there's a concept, and I love paradoxes, I love these like, impossible riddles. Have any of you heard of the bootstrap paradox? I
0: think so.
2: Okay. Basically, the bootstrap paradox is kind of like what I just said, but in the most basic term, basic terms, it's... Best explained as, like, a man its time machine, goes back in time. I'm using an example that was used in Doctor Who, so yeah, bear with me here. A man goes back in time with Beethoven's music, and he wants to get Beethoven's autograph on them. Okay. Well, he goes back in time and discovers that there is no man named Beethoven. So he publishes all the music himself under the pen name Ludwig von Beethoven. mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: And the music is famous and everything goes according to history. Mm -hmm. But then it comes back to him bringing that music back. And so it's, if Beethoven didn't write the music, then who did? And so it's like, if Murph didn't cause all this to happen, and The future didn't cause it to happen, and Goop didn't cause all this to happen, then who caused it to happen? Mm -hmm. Which is that this is the paradox does break down if you introduce I'm going to get religious here introduce the idea of an omnipotent all-knowing god or higher mm-hmm. being because then you can just say oh that's what caused it but even then it's it just seems like fifth dimensional like pranking Just like i'm gonna push <laughs> his books off the shelf, or like oh i'm gonna mess with these old humans you know i don't know it that's it's so weird. This yeah. this movie has opened up so many doors. I physically and literally or, um <laughs> metaphorically, not literally. Um but yeah, it just ah uh,
0: yeah. So yeah. I think the point you made about this omnipotent god um uh, being inserted into like science. I think um and we kind of talked about this during the movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but when so Earlier in the movie, when uh, Coop and Murphy are in Murphy's room, and um, Cooper figures out that the anomaly is, you know, related to gravity because of some mm-hmm. like magnetized force, um, and he flips a coin that sticks to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cooper's father comes in and says, Oh, we'll come out, you know, after you're done praying to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I made the comment that I, that's one of the most. Interesting lines, quick lines, that a lot of people would miss in the film that I think has a lot of significance because um, it interjects this thought about how in science we see and we test and we observe things around us and Mm -hmm. we will say something is true or something is a theory if it is observable or if it's provable um and then this space where we don't necessarily have that proof or that that validity um through being able to observe it we say we either don't know or a lot of the times we'll say you know maybe it's maybe it's god um Mm -hmm. or maybe it's a a, a religious being or that omnipotent being like you were mentioning Mm -hmm. and so so I think it's really interesting that it's, oh, well, you're, you know, you don't know anything about it, and so, you know, you're praying to it. Like it's yeah. like it's the supernatural or this omnipotent God. Um, and over, you know, centuries of science advancing and us advancing and figuring things out and some of those things that we used to think were god drawing you know fate in the stars ended up just being galaxies and Mm -hmm. so it's this progression over time of how some parts about religion have turned into observable science and so the cyclical nature of figuring things out over time, um, I think is just an interesting point in the movie when they're in Murph's room and, and yeah. he says, you know, Oh, when you're done praying to it, just it's because it's something that they don't know. And so yeah, that, yeah. This, that, the whole crux between like religion and science is something that's really interesting and fascinating to me. I didn't know what you guys thought about that.
2: Well, you mentioned that because it's, it's good you brought that up because earlier you were talking about how the test tract exists only because of the future people, mm-hmm. future humans, um, humans 2.0, um, <laughs> I don't know what you want to call them um but that made me think like what oh my gosh this is like <laughs> a crisis now like what if what we perceive to be god or deities was was just like a further evolved version of humanity oh my gosh
0: yeah I... yeah
2: it's it's a movie
0: from an atheistic perspective that's very plausible. Mm-hmm.
2: And think. then, oh man, <laughs> oh man,
1: it's, it's interesting. I think so. We're gonna another movie we're gonna watch this month is called Contact. Have you ever seen that? You yes, have seen that? Yes, I have. That movie's all about that. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah.
0: Of like, is it aliens or is it God? Yes. And, yep. and the kind
1: of intersection between those two. At least that's the message I got from that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know, there's just a lot going on with
2: belief and trust and love and these concepts. And I I wonder how much of this was the Nolan brothers writing this and how much of this was like scientists in like their interviews, what they did with them being like also, by the way, you know, we have this theory that, you know, love or whatever could be quantifiable or could be thought of as, you know, a substitute for whatever, and then people, and no one was being like, "Cool, we're gonna run with that." <laughs> and <laughs> thank you. And of course, the scientists go see the movie. and They're like, "This is not what I meant." No, but okay. but yeah. Um. So, getting away from the the heady <laughs> over most people's we heads,
0: talk about that for a long time. That
2: could be like a whole separate podcast unto itself. Yes. <laughs> um. Looking at it from a cinematic standpoint, Mm -hmm. from the technical aspects um, and the design. um, Just what a beautiful film.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, There are some, there's some really fun films, kind of like Jurassic Park, um, going off of what we watched last week. Jurassic Park feels like a fun movie. It's not necessarily a pretty movie. (laughs) But Interstellar, the CGI is crisp, it's clean. um, And I want to, specifically talk about Tars. Yes. The the sassy um just fun
1: robot. Yep. He's awesome. He's 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 so awesome. (laughs) Great.
0: And it's a perfect vehicle of humor to be inserted in the movie, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Um it almost felt kind of like breaking the fourth wall at times of like Yep. What's his humor setting up? Oh seventy five percent. Okay, let's do, you know, sixty percent or whatever. Um, and, like, what a weird design for a robot. Because when you think sci-fi robot, you imagine, you know, anything from, like, I don't know, like, C-3PO in Star Wars to Mm -hmm. R2-D2, which are, I don't know, they're both in Star Wars, but they're very different robots. Yes. Uh Like, one's a little rolling trash can, and one's (laughs) a human in gold armor, pretty much. Whereas TARS, like... I would love to meet the person who designed Tars and was like, "How did you get like a metal brick like yeah, a big like a domino, like, a, like yeah, bit. like a big metal yeah. slab?" And was like, "This is your robot." You're like, well, "Where's its arms?" Oh, well, it can roll and like little extendy, yeah. You know,
0: <laughs>
2: so, I don't know. It, it's just really, it's almost goofy at times. Yeah, especially when they're on the water planet. And he's, like, rolling along in, like, the... I think that's Case that's rolling along. Um, There's Tars and Case, and they they sound exactly the same. They're basically the same robot. Um, But, like, um, it's, like, just rolling along to go get Dr. Brand. And um, it's, like, starfish mode. And just, like, <laughs> cartwheels its way to go get there. Yeah, her. so quickly, too. Yeah.
0: And then you see when they come back, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely, like, a CGI'd a little bit. But it's, like, then they're there. Yeah. And you're, like, where did it come from? <laughs> what?
2: Yeah. Um, it's...
0: Efficient, but... Very
2: efficient and very silly. Yes. At the same time. Um, like, it's it's clearly designed for these kinds of missions, for, like, air Air Force, space exploration... It can slide in perfectly. I I know I just mentioned Star Wars with C three po and R two D two there, but I was getting some heavy Star Wars vibes at the very last scene when Coop gets in the spaceship and um, Tars gets in behind him. I'm like, it's like Luke and R two D two, and even like <laughs> the way like the the. Um, what would the word be? The,
0: the dock?
2: The, the or hood? The, 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 cockpit, or... the cockpit? Oh, yes, lid, the cockpit. The cover. screen yeah, I don't know. comes down Is very reminiscent of like, the X-Wing taking off in mm-hmm. Empire Strikes yes. Back. And I was just like, oh, very Star Warsy here, okay. Um, and I wonder if that was like, intentional. If they're like, we're gonna make a little, little nod to Lucas here. Because um, there are a lot of nods to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. Um, with Saturn being, like, the key point of transporting to a different dimension, a different galaxy. TARS even looks like the Black Monolith, which is very, like, a huge imagery thing. Big image. Mm -hmm. Imagery thing. (laughs) Words are not my forte tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, Big image in 2001. Mm -hmm. And just, like, black holes and wormholes and stuff like that. um, And trying to figure out an evolution of humanity. It's our part of 2001. Um, But yeah, there's just a lot of visual cues and callbacks to older films. And just the juxtaposition of seeing space and then like a dying Earth. Yes. And just going back and forth. And that that gets more and more frequent as the film goes on. Um, But yeah, just what a beautiful film. I don't know if you all have any comments on the visuals. I don't want to take all the airtime there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that a lot of the visuals were definitely the result of consulting with scientists because mm-hmm. a lot of uh, the spacecraft and the spacesuits and mm-hmm. you see um, even the evolution of spacesuits between um, Dr. Man on his planet and then mm-hmm. between like Cooper and the mm-hmm. other... Um, astronauts on their mission and how just the difference in spacesuits and the evolution of spacesuits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was definitely a tribute to costuming. Yeah. Um, And what, speaking of costuming though, this just came to mind. I think it's interesting that, so there's that, that very stark evidence of like, this is one spacesuit and this is another spacesuit. But then mm-hmm. back on earth, I almost feel like they purposely costumed the actor, the actor's to not necessarily fit into a specific time period. Like, I yeah. think that, I mean, like, the very simple button-down collared shirt and mm-hmm. um, Murph, when she was little and when also she was an adult, like, she was wearing very, you know, simple clothing. And a lot of them wearing mm-hmm. very simple clothing. And I think that goes back to the the beginning when we talked, or I don't know if we talked about it um, on the podcast earlier, but we definitely talked about it during the movie about how, mm-hmm. The near future aspect of mm-hmm. the show, and that no one ever said a specific year, and we don't know exactly yeah. when this is. Right. Um, but I think, as far as the visuals with the costumes, mm-hmm. um, was was I think intentional. Yeah, sad, it seems like.
2: Yeah, um, it it definitely lent itself to a timeless feel to it. Yeah, it's a very relevant film, and also a very again kind of nebulous film in the time period and what exactly has led up to this. The only things we can really say is that peace has been achieved because there's no wars. They mention how I think Dr. Brand Senior mentions how like all the rivets in the spaceship they're building and the rockets he's like could have been bullets, but we stopped that. And I'm like, all right, so what kind of futuristic utopian dystopia (laughs) where there's no war and there's all this peace, but yet you know, everyone's starving, and the New York Yankees have been disso- devolved into like this tiny little rinky-dink minor league team.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and just, yeah, a very confusing time. It it definitely seems like people gave up their, ind- not independence, but gave up their ingenuity? Is that the word? Innovation for
1: in the name of peace. Well, also, mm, yeah. I think just because of resources. Like they mentioned mm-hmm. how they're running out of food, so that's why that school's pushing so many people to become farmers. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting that you never see, other than humans, you never see a single animal in this film. There are no birds, no dogs, no cats, no <gasps> livestock. I didn't think, and they're on a farm,
1: I too. Never.
0: It's just humans. Interesting. That is something I
2: also, yeah. So I'm wondering if wow. there's a kind of an implication there of, like, there's no more meat. Like, you. there's no steak. Mm-hmm. There's no chicken. There's no nothing. Yeah. It's, we have corn.
1: The end. And even that, even Dr. Brandt Sr. mentions how that's that resource is going away. Yeah. Yeah. He mentions how, like, they used to have soy and okra. And I was like,
2: soy makes sense to me. Okra seems so arbitrary to mention how it was like, last year it was soy, then we had okra, this year it's corn, and that too will die. And I'm like, why okra? Of all the vegetables you could have picked, you picked the most obscure one that's like popular in the American South, okra. Well, now, mm. I,
1: now I like to think that they let... Uh, Michael Caine ad lib that line. Just pick two vegetables, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just do soy and a vegetable. Just so just
2: and whatever you have for lunch today. You know, multiple,
1: soy. Multi, so- soy and cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, multiple. That take two.
2: Yeah. Nope. 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 Soy and rutabagas. No. 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 Soy and strawberries. No, Not that a makes, vegetable that makes less. sense. it's a fruit, Michael. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I had a strawberry salad. I got, got <laughs> confused. <laughs> Soy <laughs> and tomato. No, no, that's too... That's, that, too that, that, that's still a fruit. <laughs> We're not sure. Some people think so. <laughs> <Soy>. <laughs> Too debatable. Yeah. Too confusing. Yeah. Soy and celery. Ah, uh, no. No, no, one gonna no, no one's no. going to believe that people... Oprah. I
1: didn't even know that was a vegetable. We'll go with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes it sound highbrow.
0: Yeah. See, now... Now I want to see how sustainable okra is in, yeah. like, very arid environments because I wonder if that was another <laughs> intentional decision. Mm. Um, maybe okra does thrive in a dry climate. I yeah. have
1: no idea. Yeah. I've I've had okra once in my entire life.
0: I think so, too, yeah. I've been Same. pretending
1: this whole time to know what okra is. <laughs> <laughs> how, I can't even tell you what it looks I, like. It's, I, it's green. It's, I know it's that. Green? It's green. Yep. Um, how do you think okra looks,
2: Anthony? I'm imagining it's almond-shaped. <laughs> You're you're not into... It's kind of like a fat pepper. Like is a it? fat jalapeno. Oh.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's green and it's bitter. Okay. It's very bitter. But fried okra is a very popular dish in the South. Is it? You just dip it in, like, ketchup and, like, hmm. there you go. So maybe it is a hearty vegetable. If it's so bitter tasting, I don't yeah. know if that's some kind of indication, but... Yeah. But, yeah. Because um, I remember there's clearly the grandfather was alive when animals were, if we're going to assume that animals are no longer alive. Right. Because he mentions at the Yankees game how he's like, popcorn at a baseball game it's unnatural. I need a hot dog. And I'm like, um, we have popcorn at baseball games today, so like it's not unnatural. I mean, it's not preferred, but it's not unnatural. You know, we like going to the movies like, I don't, can they get movies? It's unnatural. I need popcorn. It's like, no, it's, you can have both. You can do both. <laughs> Um, But like, I wonder how long they've been without meat and if Mm. it's just different variations of corn, Mm. you know, like imagine that scene in um, uh, Forrest Gump of like all the different ways you can cook shrimp, you (laughs) know, fried corn, steamed corn, butter corn, cream corn and just, I guess cream corn wouldn't exist because there's no cream because there's no milk, there's no cows. Oh, what a bleak future. It is. (laughs) And, you know, I think it's a testament to in a way to human humans need for survival. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That
2: families were willing to you know, just drive somewhere else to see if they could find better land. Um, That's a pretty good point they bring up of like, you know, where they're going to come going.
1: You see all those trucks leaving town Mm -hmm. and they're just like Somewhere better. It's like, yeah. well, I think that. So I think that the sun gives an indication of that. Like, think about it. If you're on the ground level, you don't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then you'll right. just think grass is greener on the other side, or just yeah. I need to get away from here. And yeah. I don't know, like thinking that the earth is is going to be uninhabitable. Like that's just it's 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 so hard to comprehend. Even yeah, like yeah. what do you do then? Mm-hmm.
2: Like I even think about, and you mentioned about 30 minutes ago it's quite a long episode which is great because we're having some great conversations um how climate change research is coming out and how like it's getting scarier and more intense and more like we should be doing something about this like right now (laughs) hey um like thinking to myself you know like i'll probably be alive when the proverbial shit hits the fan and all three of us will be alive when it hits the fan. And, like, what am I going to do? Like, will I be 50? Will I be 70? Will I be 40? It's kind of, yeah. it's, it's a little, I know it's like a brief detour into, like, terrifying <laughs> land. But, like, it's a little inc- uncompre- incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incomprehensible. as you And
0: overwhelming. There. And it's like, where do I start? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just one person. And I am going to be living my life to the best of my ability. And when it all, like when the sea level rises to the point where, you know, New York City is uninhabitable. When New Orleans is gone. When Florida is a series of islands because of how much the oceans will rise. And like, what will I do? You know, I think to myself, like, I can't go to the coast. I have family on the coast. I, we, we filmed this, or we recorded this in Dayton, Ohio. And Dayton, Ohio will be, Relatively speaking, dry. Yeah. Um, but everyone on the coast is gonna have to come in, mm-hmm. and if there's already population issues on the coast, and you bring that inland, I don't know. It's it's a little incomprehensible. Cause you know, I wonder. It's just it's it's a little scary, and I didn't know Interstellar would bring us to this kind of kind of conversations <laughs> tonight. Um you're going to be like, wow, what a cool space movie. Wow, that was so mind-boggling. And now we're here. <laughs> um, the magic of the movies, everyone. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
2: But, but yeah, like, it just, I, I rambled there a bit. I apologize. But yeah, Well, I mean, it's... going back
0: to what Anthony's point was about how, I mean, it's that instinct for survival and you don't know any different from your own perspective than, yeah. I mean, you would do anything. Like, Cooper left the the galaxy in order to try to Mm -hmm. save everyone because he really felt like that was a last resort. And these people who are packing up their Jeeps and and traveling and trying to find grass, greener grass, then like that's their, that's their reality and what they think that will help. So, yeah, Yeah.
1: I think that brings to a good point of Dr. Mann's character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he ends up on this planet and he realizes pretty quickly that it's uninhabitable Mm -hmm. and he's stranded. Yeah. and he decides I need to get away so he keeps sending the all clear uh, signal to try to get someone to come and save him and he lies
2: to Doyle and to Bran and to Cooper being like no no there's a surface to this planet like, this is not the surface there's stuff below it's like organic life's down there and it's all breathable air and it's like the water's good and the soil's good and it's just it's basically earth down there like awesome cool and then just telling people, like, no, I lied. Yeah, this this is the surface. Yeah. There's nothing here. I got to go. And you're going to stay. I don't understand that part. I didn't quite get that. I'm like, if we're all going to leave, why not just all leave together? It seemed like man was like a bit of a psychotic bent. <laughs> oh, for sure. Of, yeah. I think also it's a little on the nose that the bad guy is man. Like, man is its own downfall. Mm. which I'm like okay Christopher Nolan Dr. Man man <laughs> with mm, two M's, with two N's so it's not
1: quite <laughs> so on the a nose little cryptic. it's cryptic just, <laughs> yeah. just this yeah, it's like, I mean
0: I didn't catch it until right now so actually <laughs> oh, it works really I'm, I'm no just, yeah I didn't
1: I'm imagining someone like this brilliant person being like wait a sec, like having a piece of man written and a piece of paper folding you take away the one M
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> man like <laughs> mankind <gasps> He's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like f- like trying to figure out his notes and like a piece of paper just covers the one and He's like, man, <gasps> yeah. Um, I thought that was a little on the nose. I got that the first time I watched it. I was like, mm, mm, okay, not quite. A little little silly there, A little heavy-handed there, Christopher Nolan. But I don't know.
0: I definitely did not. Um, I don't. I think I was caught up in um him fabricating all of that data like like that for me like being someone who has done scientific research before Mm. and has like from start to finish um and collected data and having to analyze it and figure out what is you know good about it what's bad about it and Mm -hmm. like standard deviation all of that stuff like for me i was just like that's years and years of just fabricated numbers that Mm -hmm. look real like for me Mm -hmm. that i think is what i've been tripped up in um and so and i but i was so far deep into it that i didn't necessarily see that overarching theme which Mm -hmm. i think is it's like blowing my mind right now which is really (laughs) interesting um because it's like man it could be there it could be the downfall but then also these uh humans 2.0 could also be the Mm -hmm. saviors and so that's a cool Mm-hmm.
1: Crossroad. So, but on to Dr. Mann's rationale. Yeah. So, it, when he was leaving and he was docking with the spaceport, what was his plan? Was his plan to go back to Earth? Because he even mentions when Dr. Brandt is getting the message from Murph saying that her father, his, that Dr. Brandt's father died and then that it was all a ruse, that Plan A wasn't really ever in the plan right. and his whole life works, life's work was kind of a sham. Dr. Mann mentioned how, yeah, he he knew that. He himself knew that the whole time. So I'm wondering, why was he playing going back to Earth? Because he knows they're doomed. I wonder if he was just playing along. <laughs> Bless you.
2: Um, being like, you know. Thank you. Um, oh, yeah. I knew it was fake, too. Like I think was... that he was
0: going to the other planets because his mission... I mean, he was plan B the whole time. He was bought into plan B. And mm-hmm. so if his planet wasn't it then some other planets must have been and so he was like what do you mean you're not going to the other planets what do you mean i'm the mm. only one like we need to make plan b work and so i think that was part of his psychotic break of
1: yeah
0: um i mean he was talking about not being able to see humans again but i think that greater fear is that like he would be the last one or they would go extinct and yeah,
1: so, yeah. he was talking and... a lot about the survival instinct
0: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot. If you're ever
1: stuck on a <laughs> on an alien
2: planet with unbreathable air and a man next to you you're talking about how great human survival instinct is, you should turn the other way. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Just, I know. I rem- I remember even watching this movie and thinking, like, the music playing and them going further and further out and him saying that. I'm thinking mm, this doesn't seem very good. Yeah. The music. I wrote my notes like
2: the music's getting the music he's building towards man's betrayal just like blah, 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 blah. like it's just more and more and just building up to the point where man betrays cooper and then to the point where um uh murph tries to get i can't remember the names the son's name for the life of me um tries to get her brothers
0: Tommy tom
2: that's right um hmm part of me um tries to get like his son medical attention and this and tom's mm-hmm. like no don't stop like don't worry about it it's fine it's fine
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i'm like you're living in denial mm-hmm. like yes. like there's so many like that's part of hear okay, this briefly i want to know we want to get back to dr Mann, but like the tom and his wife and his second son I mean, he mentions how his first son is buried in the back, yeah. And I'm like, do you... part of my fear with you know this society that we see in Interstellar is like complacency of mm-hmm. just like it's going to happen, so why bother? Yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> I wanted to get that point out there. Backs Doctor Man, mm-hmm. so like the music getting more and more intense, yeah. and just all of that, and it's just
1: nerve-wracking yeah it makes me think of did either of you see that movie that came out a couple of years ago with chris pratt and jennifer lawrence it was about space they're on a spaceship oh, oh. yes
0: uh, passengers
1: yes i did not like that movie at all oh, but there was okay. one, there was <laughs> one hard. part where a character tells i think it's chris pratt's character that when a person is drowning like the quote is like if man is drowning man will always try to like grab someone else to bring them down with them. Mm. I feel like this was kind of that plus the other level of like throw someone under the bus in order to get yourself out. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It
2: almost seemed like I, I've done my due. I've suffered. Now you get to suffer. I'm out of here. Yeah. It definitely is very it's just psychotic. You know, yeah, very doctor well.
0: man says you haven't suffered like I have. Or you yeah. suffered Like I have. Yeah. Knowing how many years that he was on that planet. And that he didn't... He went to crowd sleep and then didn't, didn't set a waking date.
2: Yeah, it was just like, when you wake me, you wake me. Um, which also, it makes it... The the dramatic reveal of, like, ripping the cord to open up the bag. I got a lot of, like, um, rebirth vibes. Mm. Pulling, like, almost like an
1: umbilical cord in a way. Of, like, yeah. ripping the cord and... Oh, it, yeah, and the la- he even says something about, like, you brought me back from the dead, and then he, yeah. yeah. He Lazarus. Yeah. 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 And,
2: you know, what I thought was kind of funny is, like, clearly these bags are single-use, like, stasis bags, because when he ripped it, it's like a string breaking, like, thin plastic. And I was like, I guess we can't really seal that back up now, can we?
1: But I think there's more bags, because he mentions how he's gone to sleep multiple times, and he says this last time I didn't even set a waking time. Yeah. But I wonder if there's, like... If the pulling
2: the cord was a like visual choice,
0: because mm, the or, other ones definitely had zippers. The other ones had
2: zippers. Yeah. So I'm like, As it, that's like this, is, good. like, this is a single use bag. Then again, it could be because of the future tech. Mm. Because how many years had passed since he yeah. went? Because um, I'm like, he clearly has other bags. Because it's like, I'm gonna staple that back shut. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Because I think there is a decade between the trips. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they yeah. say. Yeah.
2: And. Even then, that like, gets weirder because they mention how Miller probably got there like five minutes before they got there. Yeah, and then, but then Doctor Mann, because he's farther away from the from the black hole, like he was there. You know, for more accurate Earth years, yeah, which is so strange to me. Mm-hmm. That's uh, more time of that dilation. Time, time dilation. Yep. yep. Um. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and. The fact that but with the rebirth and him coming back from the dead that and, you know, what I was saying about how he had to fabricate all of that data, like, yeah. he must have gone to sleep mm-hmm. confident. Like, if he had fabricated all of that, he's like, I don't know when someone's going to come, but they're going to come and they are going to save me. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, him, his rebirth, kind of that excitement's, I don't know, psychotic, that yeah. that that adrenaline that he had of like my plan is working my plan like this is actually happening. Yeah. Um that I think it results in the brawl. Um yeah. that Cooper gets his helmet almost smashed in and yeah. just anything, you know, if cuz Cooper found out and so then Cooper was going to try to stop him and man's like no yeah. like anything to thwart Mm -hmm. my plan cannot cannot go through
1: see i don't think he was super confident that someone could come because i think he even says like that's all i could do like and then when he is smashing into cooper's helmet uh cooper says there's a 50 50 chance that it could like it could kill you and he goes that's those are the best odds i've had
0: Mm -hmm. for a long time that's true yeah
2: yeah i mean to that the risk of even going into space like that is such a gamble because you think Okay, I'm going to leave Earth it's two years to Saturn. We have communication that's solid there. Well, then I go through this wormhole. I end up in this galaxy, and I'm on this planet near a black hole. Time is moving faster for me than it is out there. Other way around, sorry. Time is moving slower here than it is out there. Mm-hmm. And you think, all right, so we get to the planet, you don't know in those two years since you left, two and a half years, however many years, is the is the plan still a go? Are we sending around round two? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be saved, or is or was I it? You know,
0: they said they sent Lazarus ten years ago. Like yeah. the professor Bran had said like oh yeah, Lazarus was was a decade
2: mm-hmm. previously. So yeah, yeah, and like that's yeah, that's such a gamble, and I I would never do it. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I wasn't seeing gravity. I was like, I have to get on a spaceship to be safe from the dying Earth. I'm not getting on a spaceship anytime soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Space junk is a real thing. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think the- this Dr. Man character, the interrogation of the ethics mm-hmm. of saving humanity versus saving yourself versus, um, or yeah, just saving humanity or saving yourself. Um, and... I, I just can't imagine what I would do in that situation. Like, I want to say that I would be like, I would save humanity. But, like, would I? Like, I don't yeah. know if I would. Being in that that mental state that's just, uh, you're so overwhelmed and you're so terrified. Mm-hmm. And your, you know, fight or flight instinct kicks in. And, like, personally, like, I think I might be selfish. But that's just because, yeah. like, that's how I'm biologically made.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah.
1: It's self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah. It's...
2: Powerful thing. I mean, it's the same kind of thing of like, you know, parents who get into car crashes with their children and their children's trapped under the car, and somehow they find the strength to lift the car. Yep. Yeah. And the kid gets out, and then the parents like, I can never do that again. Mm -hmm. It was like a one-time deal. Adrenaline just coursing through your veins. Yes. In the same way. You're like, I can get out of here. Mm -hmm. I'm out. See ya. You know. And I, I wonder even if he got to the other planets and there was nothing, if he would just be like, go back to Earth. Going back. See you later. Bye. You know, I'd rather die with other humans yes. than die alone in a foreign oh. place.
0: That's so scary. <laughs> yeah.
2: What – for being such a hopeful film, our conversation, I feel like, has been very, like, <laughs> downbeat, just very, uh you know. But yeah. I mean,
0: it goes back to the love piece. Yeah. And I think – it's a movie where, like we were saying earlier, like it feels more relevant now than it did four years ago, five yeah. years ago. But that we need to have these interrogations about ethics and about yeah. like the earth and things like that. And while it might all seem down, then also having that love on the other end of the scale and like those relationships mm-hmm. and the social connection that we have as humans, like that's yeah. also just as heavy and weighs just as much as yeah. as these larger global issues that we need mm-hmm. to talk about and interrogate. So.
2: Like, I would even say Murph is the only character who has, like, her morals straight the whole movie.
0: Besides being mad at her dad for 23 years. That, like, gets me. Like, (laughs) I get it. Like, I don't know. I feel like I would hold a grudge for a long time, but then it would be of, like, okay, well, like, what now? Yeah. Um, Yeah. But But I do agree with you, besides that one small portion. Yeah. It's pretty
1: interesting, too, because she... So she is in her bedroom, and then she's mad at her dad, and her dad leaves. Then she runs out right after. Mm -hmm. So you'd think... I'm just, yeah, like, I don't know, you're right, like, consistent with her character, Mm -hmm. if she wavered then, I'm surprised it took her 23 years, too, yeah. Yeah, it,
2: like, she's the only one who's, like, working nonstop to figure out this science, figure out all this stuff, because Dr. Brand Sr. dies, Dr. Brand Jr. risks the life of the whole crew to get the data from Miller's Planet, Mm -hmm. Coop leaves Murph and Tom and his dad. Um I mean I wouldn't say Doyle is not really much of a character, and neither is um He's
0: very he's definitely an accessory, I think, yeah, in Do- the story.
2: Doyle and the first guy, to, the the game maker from the Hunger Games. Oh yes <laughs> I forget his name, but that guy. Um I think it was an American horror story too, but like that actor is like an accessory um also i liked how the scientists were also at like the big board meeting table at the very beginning when they're in at nasa and because like when they first showed up in the movie i'm like oh they're sending board members from nasa into oh they're also scientists okay (laughs) that makes more sense um also what a weird way to build your like your like conference room because I was
0: thinking about that. but like, it's right off of the hangar. Yeah,
2: I I wrote down. Um, it's it's a uh, Willy Wonka reveal <laughs> of like open the door and like the big candy room. Yes. It's like open the door, rockets. <laughs> you know, it's like, wh- Why did you design your building like this? Why was it not like it's just like a door? And they're like, no, we have to have like, a big revolving. Wall, second it goes and this around. this one person
0: that we weren't expecting to come find NASA, so that we can reveal it to them. Mm-hmm. Like very opportunistic. Yeah, like
2: if anyone else shows up to <laughs> NASA, they're just like, "You're gonna pilot our spaceship and find the lost uh, astronauts." It's like, I, I'm I'm just a farmer. I'm just <laughs> I clearly wandered into the wrong place. I apologize. <laughs> See you later. Yep. Um, but yeah, they're just uh, like, can you just stick around for a reveal though? <laughs> yeah. This is like, we had this wall put in. We put a lot of work <laughs> yeah, into it. It's it's gonna look real cool. Trust us, you know. But they they do that, and I was like, that seems a bit silly. Like we mentioned, how Tars is already kind of silly. But like Tars, at least they mentioned it was like a military robot in the past, mm-hmm. or at least some kind of military application. That makes sense. But the the like rotating room with a rotating rotating wall. I was like. Ah. And there's people starving, but you thought it'd be cool to put in a revolving wall. <laughs> okay.
0: Well they're making uh rivets instead of bullets, so That's true. Yes. That's true. Yeah.
2: Um but but yeah, I thought that was just kinda of funny, like, why was this Okay, that's fine, whatever. I don't know. Um but also I didn't quite get how they were gonna get like a concrete structure to be launched into space. With like, And even with, like, the gravitational anomaly, as Dr. Brand Sr. describes it, I'm like, wouldn't concrete, like, sure, it's a sturdy material, but, like, when it gets down to, like, shaking and, like, vibrating, it's a very brittle material. Yep. And I'm, like, shooting a space station made of concrete into the, into space, I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna.
0: Well, I think that goes back to that plan A was never viable. Yeah. That's true. And then it was all a ruse. That's
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. true. But yeah.
0: A structural engineer would have been like, nope. Yeah. Very beginning. <laughs> you would be like, have uh-uh. said, that's concrete. Nope, it's plan B. Yeah. And would have ruined the whole movie for anyone else watching. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Which means that they put sideways doors in the side of the walls for no
1: reason.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah. a lot of excess in here for one giant ruse. I don't know why Dr. Sr. wasn't just like, we're going to put DNA into space. Save humanity. And we were be like, good job. Yes, we did it. He had to do this whole big fake thing, build these all these rockets, all that.
0: Work on this problem for 40 years mm-hmm. and fake that he doesn't yeah. know how to solve it. Well,
1: didn't Dr. Mann mention – or someone mentioned that he knew that and that was the only way he could get people to be on board?
0: Yes, I think that Dr. Mann said that. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's
1: true. I feel like you would still have – you could phrase it differently. You could just use
2: that, that communication 101 course, you know, just be like, hey – engage in some dialogue on how to save humanity just very basic stuff like that but instead he's like i'm gonna just trust me it's gonna work 40 years (laughs) i'm gonna work on this one math problem
0: maybe it goes back to the fake news piece of like maybe 40 years previously was maybe where like we are now of logic Mm. is not going to work and so they need to Mm. have an emotional reason and emotionally connect yeah. with people and yeah. to get them on board and
1: he's the one he yeah he knows that he's just gonna make the decision that no one else can and mm-hmm. use this ruse to get everyone to go along and make that sacrifice for greater the greater good of humanity yeah
0: oh. i don't think he realizes that it's like morally wrong until his deathbed i mean he definitely doesn't i think him yeah. telling murphy is his realization that oh maybe this wasn't necessarily the best course of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He feels the guilt. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: it's it's interesting. Yeah,
1: but Doctor Man even mentions that he's he that Doctor Brandt was willing to sacrifice his morality for mm-hmm. this.
0: Yeah, yep. <sighs> I hope that I'm. Maybe not unethically, but I hope that I am ethically drawn towards a cause that I would, you know, give my life's work to at some point. Yeah. Maybe not, hopefully not to have to save the planet, but I mean, yeah. just thinking about the the commitment and ha- being, believing in something so strongly that you would essentially do anything to mm-hmm. make it happen or, or to follow it through. Um, I guess that's part of the hope of that. Of the the light to the dark side of this, yeah, talking mm-hmm. about having you know persistence about something is a positive thing.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good way to end this this episode. Yeah. That was very nice. Yeah. It was very poetic. <laughs> it was <laughs> so for each movie we watch, the guest we rate the movie out of ten somethings. Mm. Um, so.
0: I think it should be Tesseracts. Out
2: of 10? Yeah, there we go. There we go. I think we learned. So. I that think was our so. big thing we I learned. I think so, Perfect. yes. So out of 10 Tesseracts, what would you give this movie, hmm. Carrie?
0: I think overall, I mean, it's got to be like a 9 for me. Yeah. I Not a 10. Not a 10, and I think it goes back to some of the, the quirky inconsistencies mm-hmm. of the movie that we talked about, um, but yeah nine visuals, the plot, the science. um I think some of the what what I get annoyed about, what happens in the black hole and some of the funny <laughs> things it, i think just just stuck at one point for me, so i'm gotcha. I'm at a nine nine tesseracts.
1: nice i'll go I'll go nine, nine and a half. This mm-hmm. movie is just so good on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. makes me think. It's. I think Christopher Nolan is one of my absolute favorite directors out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. This movie was phenomenal, and I would say nine nine out of ten as well. Yeah, yeah. nine out of ten. Test Um,
2: the music, the music especially, Hans yeah. yes. yes. sure. just. Uh, the the music's great. The um, the visuals, just everything about it, and just yeah, it's amazing. So,
0: yeah. awesome.
2: Thank you very much for coming on, Carrie.
0: Yes, thank you for inviting me. I love talking about all of these things about science and movies. So I appreciate it. Well,
1: we love talking with you about these things. Yes, yes. And uh, so
2: that's our episode for the day. Um, So next week we will be watching another science fiction film of some kind. You're looking at me like you have something to... (laughs) Was there one that was determined? No,
1: I don't. No, that's why I'm looking at you.
2: It's... (laughs) Well, It is To Be Determined. <coughs> to Be Determined. It will be a science fiction film of our choosing next week. So watch out for that. It will be a great time. And again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at double a
1: for both of those sites. And, yes. Uh, Leave ratings, five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and yes. on iTunes. Yes. Helps others find the podcast. Definitely does. Definitely does. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And
2: what a great episode.
1: Noice!